0: This episode, we have Zayn Lakani joining us, and he's the founder of Light CI. The cool thing about being a founder is you get to do things your own way, as we know. And the recruiting industry is sort of set in its ways, usually about how it does things. And even in the startup world, when you launch, you generally do things with the boilerplate way whenever possible to reduce the amount of time it takes to launch and get things done. Sometimes doing things the way things have always been done actually never finishes the job. And that's one thing that Zane himself and Light CI have entirely made sure never to do. See, they don't rely on the old, let's put some job postings out and get things done. No, Zane relies on the network effect. Him and his team are all about reputation, who we know, and who can get the job done. And that's how they get the job done. When you're set on changing the way an industry does things, you're going to get a couple of haters, but also a lot of people who love what you do. And LightCI definitely had some of that experience. And Zane goes into detail on how it is he managed that as he continued to move forward regardless. This is a story of bootstrapping, innovation, and the power of relying on people, especially as a leader. And now, Zane Lacani of LightCI. Man, it is my pleasure to have Zane here with us. Zane, how are you feeling today? And thank you so much for stopping by.
1: Not bad. I'm uh, I'm feeling okay. Busy week, but you know, all all good things for now.
0: Yeah, man, it's the tech startup world. It's 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 never ending, man. Um, when I was looking at some of the stuff online for like Light CI, and I saw that you had had. partnership with google i was uh, you know in particular for like placement of like world-class talent 19 engineers to be exact i figured Mm -hmm. that was like the best place to start how did that collaboration even happen
1: yeah so it was actually a a a strange progression so i i started light ci with a buddy of mine david and it kind of started off as basically just a, a one or two man consulting gig like we would go into these companies build products Um, kind of crossed our fingers that their internal teams could take over and and hope for the best. Um, And then I had a friend of mine at Google who said, hey, like, do you want to take a shot at at building your own team? Um, And I said, sure. And he said, how do you want us to pay you for it? And I was like, I can get paid for this kind of stuff in a way. Uh, That's awesome. Um, So then it, it kind of morphed into less consulting work, more recruiting work with a consulting focus, if that makes sense. right? So we build high-quality products with high-quality teams um, because they kind of go one and one together, right? So you need a good team to deliver on a good product um, to have good results in market. So it's just a a natural fit.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, talk about kismet, right? It just kind of just happened and you scaled that all the way to the fullest, man. So then uh, would it make sense to ask, because there's a peculiar way that you decided to set things up as you move things forward, and that was that you don't rely... Uh, on actual job postings as part of like the way to find talent. If I understood the notes that I had here correctly, you actually focus on networking particularly. And that action has shaped the company's success in some way. What was the genesis of that thinking? Yeah. So like it it came
1: down to um, the network of trust, right? Think about it like this. When you You know, you go grocery shopping and you're you're looking to buy um, some new frozen food, for example. Uh, The one you're likely to pick is one someone has given you a recommendation on. Same thing when you go to restaurants or go out for drinks, like you'll go to a bar that a friend has told you about or a restaurant that a friend has told you about because they put that stamp of trust on the product or service. The same thing applies to engineers, right? Um, When you hire one engineer, the goal is to hire all five of their friends as well because you have that existing work chemistry, you know they're technically pre-vetted because you've worked together, um, and worse come to worse, if something goes wrong, they put their stamp of trust on it, right? Uh, So it holds everyone more accountable inside of that engineering network and and scales a lot faster too. When you go outbound on LinkedIn, right, like a lot of recruiters will kind of just take a job posting, paste it into an email and say, hey, like this is what we're looking for, this is the salary range, let us know what you want to do. But when you go outbound from like an engineering perspective, it's more hey, man, like I'm working on XYZ project. This is why it's cool technically. Can you help? Um, So it's a little bit different, right? It's more like come work with me as a friend. Like I'm I'm working on this cool stuff. Um, I am a talented engineer, so you have the opportunity to work with me, whoever is going outbound. Um, And it makes it easier to get in front of like higher quality talent in general.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of, I mean, the network effect is real it's just really cool to see you step in that direction of like this is the business model because as a business model that's a really peculiar way of doing it right because most people think oh yeah you can scale it with job placements but you're right, right you can just as easily scale it with networks and in particular control the quality is it an application that people can go to This is what i'm curious about because i didn't get the chance to actually log in and see what that looks like but i'm, I'm curious about that
1: no not at all so it's a it's the way i would describe it is it's a fully people-driven business um so fully relying on the networks of the engineers themselves we don't put up job posts we don't expect inbound pipe, like pipeline or funnel uh, because if there is like the barrier to entry is very low right like you look at all of these open recruiting marketplaces where companies can post anything and candidates can enroll without any pre-technical vetting or anything like that and it just creates a lot of noise right like you're in the same spot you were before you hired a recruiting firm where you're posting something on LinkedIn and you get a thousand applicants. Now you have to wade through each one of them and say, hey, like, is this a fit for my job? Is this a fit for my job? Um, And then maybe you miss out on some diamonds in the rough or maybe you pass people on that shouldn't have been passed on. Um, So it it becomes very tough. Like if you turn this into a two-sided marketplace, like how do you control quality from both sides? Not just the candidate side, but the company side too, right? You don't want to send your engineering friends to work for a company that you wouldn't work for yourself either. Right. So like we vet from the client side and we vet
0: from the candidate side. That is such an important point. So many people in the marketplace only look at it one sided and you're 100 percent right. Part of the power of that network effect is that you can also tell people which companies are actually worth working at or which ones haven't figured it out yet. So they're not the best workplace, I think is a nicer way of saying
1: that. <laughs> yeah. And it comes across as as backwards to a lot of people. It's like, well, you're actively turning down revenue. I mean, sort of. Um, but in the long run, if you dilute your, your company, your client pool, you're right back where you started, right? Like you become one of those big recruiting firms that... People kind of look at their website and go, okay, this looks like another generic placement service. Like what's really the reason from switching from an existing provider, right? And then the pipeline starts to break down on both sides. So like humans at their core is like what our business is centered around, right? Like it's the emotional intelligence and, you know, even the intellect quotient to a lesser extent that we've kind of built this model around, right? From both sides you want to make sure that the engineers have high EQ and that the clients have high EQ so that there's a good match in between, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, man. I I think it's one of the fundamental... I mean, look, the, the good news is you're on a show that is talking to startups specifically about things that matter to them. And nowhere is it more expensive than in the area of hiring, training, losing. There's attrition, right? It's like the most expensive thing. So quality control and working with a partner that actually cares about quality is everything. I I myself ran into a stint where I helped someone hire some people for a marketing agency and I remember going through like 14 pages on LinkedIn for like <laughs> maybe 5 people and I said I can't believe people do this full time like for there's like so many interviews and follow-ups and you want to make sure you're right. not mean to people and i myself have worked with recruiters where we'll jump on, we'll talk and then they disappear or you know vice versa. Yeah, hey, I'm sure how do you how do you control for all that when it's so people-centered and and what kind of startups would you like to see reaching out to you as they're listening to this that you know you can help them?
1: Yeah. So like the, the biggest demand from startups more often than not is culture fit, right? And screening for culture fit is very, very difficult. Uh, like you don't truly know someone is a culture fit until they get there. Uh, but the way that we do it is, is slightly unique in the sense that we screen people as if we're hiring them internally for our own company. And in a lot of cases, you know that is what we're doing. They're they're contracted out to a company, but they're full-time employees of, of LightCI. Um, so it becomes, how do we copy paste that process and tinker it slightly for whichever company comes to the door, right? Uh, so I'll give you an example. We, we signed a startup a couple days back um, and we asked them, hey, what's most important? Is it cost? Is it quality? Is it culture fit? Like where on the spectrum do you sit? Obviously, they said all of them are important, which makes our job a little bit harder. <laughs> um, but we sat down with their VP of Edge and we said, hey, like, give us an idea of what it's like, like a day in the end Um, something that we can go back to these these." These candidates and pitch um, and see if they're actually interested in it, right? Because we delicately put, like, we want to screen for a little bit of BS on both sides, too. We want to make sure nothing makes it past, like, quote unquote, the light CI filter. Um, And the best way to do that is by hearing from these VPs directly, like, tell us what your culture is like, what you want to see, what you don't want to see. We're going to adjust our interview process to be overfit uh, to what you're looking for, right? Both from a technical perspective and more importantly, a cultural perspective. You don't get that with a lot of recruiters. A lot of recruiters will go on LinkedIn, like do a Boolean search and then spray and pray and hope for the best. Uh, and that's how you end up being like right in the same spot. Why not just do that yourself, right? You don't really need a recruiting form for it. Uh, and I don't mean to come on the show and just totally shit talk all of the recruiting agencies. <laughs> that. External recruiters are, are a big part of the ecosystem, right? Um, but the ecosystem is, is starting to become fragmented at the edges. And like all these new founders that are you know running startups for the first time, they're going straight to the people that are inside their in mail or inside their, their cold outbound funnel that are saying, hey, like we have recruiting services where cheap use us. Okay, great. What happens when you fire that person in a hundred days because they're not working out? You're not going to get a refund. You got to find a new recruiting shop. You know, the relationship is a little more fragmented. You're, you're right back where you started, if not worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are definitely people who want to cut costs anywhere. And then there are the smart people who are willing to pay the right price to solve this problem forever, right? And right. Those, those are definitely part of, I imagine, from what I'm hearing, the kind of qualities that you scan for in a client as well. It's like, do you actually want to solve this or are you just in the process of forever hiring, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and like some people drag out the interview process, right?
1: Like it should be a, a one-week thing, maybe two weeks. It becomes a three-month thing. Nobody likes that. The candidate doesn't like that. I personally don't like that. The client probably doesn't either. And it's just like, when you start to deal with like the internal politics of hiring, it becomes ultimately more complex.
0: How has the ecosystem responded to the way that you approach this business? Because it's so different from the way they do it. We've clearly established that here. Has anyone reached out to you sort of in any capacity, whether positive or negative, Jedis, Sith Lords, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, I, I won't lie. We've had opposition from like both sides. Um, only like a, imagine. Lot big, a lot of the big recruiting firms, they're like, what the hell is this? Like, this makes zero sense. We've done things a certain way for years and years and years that works and we're making money. <laughs> like, don't screw with our food, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then there's some companies that we pitch to that are like, this makes zero sense. Like, we want to do this all internally. Like, we religiously hate external recruiters. This is not any different. I'm like, okay, then you're probably not a fit for the service anyways, right? Um, but it's 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 difficult, uh, especially when you do so much, right? Like we are recruiting, we are product studio, we are consulting. How do you get that across in a five-minute pitch? It's pretty difficult, right? And especially if they're not familiar with the space, a lot of the times it just whoosh, goes straight over their head.
0: Now, Now that we've sort of covered a lot of the day-to-day and how the landscape looks for you, what what are you most excited about with LightCI right now that you're currently working on that seems to be taking most of your attention? Is it scaling it up and has funding, like even securing funding? I'm so curious about that because sure, it happened and you're like, great, I'll make this happen now. Was it paying for itself as it was growing or did you have to go secure money?
1: Yeah, um, so I was lucky enough that, or still lucky enough that the company is bootstrapped. Um, so we were oh, yeah. pretty close to profitable <laughs> from day one. Uh, there were days totally where I would look at our bank account and go like, Hey, that number is not trending in the right direction. Yes. Um, but over time, like we've, we've course corrected, we've trimmed some fat and, and now things are in a good place. So, you know, next couple of months is all about scaling the internal team. So like sales, marketing, design, we're launching a new design function and just hired a, a very talented head of design. Um, but it's a, it's a different kind of stress than I'm used to. Um, I've been an engineer for most of my career and... Um, I've sat at the top of startups, but not really at the top, right? Like you're higher number one, but you're not a co-founder kind of thing. Um, so this is very different for me. It's like you're now at a point where you gotta take your hands out of all the pies, like let some other people take control, um, run your org in a way that it's meant to be run, and and not the way that uh, you know a founder who who wants to keep his eye on everything would run it. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's a little bit stress inducing, but it's also quite exciting.
0: Yeah, would you say the the biggest part of the stress is letting go and trusting other people? Because you know, I, I personally, I've never run a company like that. If I've ever worked with people, it's been as contractors, and I, and right. I, I gave them exactly what they needed to do. What is that? What is that transition like? Because there might be someone who just started their startup right now, and they're still trying to figure that out. And bringing on that first person or that first five on the team—that's a big jump psychologically. Wrong, right?
1: Totally. Yeah. Like the, the, the biggest parallel is like, maybe you don't want to go to a party, but you want to get invited to a party. Right. And it's the same thing with like meetings and context and issues within the company. Like maybe you don't want to attend every marketing meeting, but you want to get invited to every marketing meeting. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's this, it's like this dilemma of, what is the most useful use of your time as a founder? Is it really being in the weeds and like listening to all the issues and problems that are going on inside the company? Or is it hiring folks that are smarter than you to go out and solve those or so freeze up your time to do sales and BD or whatever it might be. Um, I, I've i seen founders go in both directions. Um, like one of my first startups, the founders wanted to maintain control. Like it was very obvious from day one, like they kept hiring people, but it's also like a lot of executive overreach, like, you know, with veto decisions, left, right, center. And that's good. Um, like a lot of founders will get to a, a good place like that because they're probably super smart. They might be visionaries, whatever it might be. But you kind of hit a point of, you know, you can't scale past it without handing off some of the work because like I'm one person, right? My calendar only exists from nine to nine. Like you can't schedule before, you can't schedule after. Like where are you going to find time? I'm, I'm going to be the one who's slowing you down now. And that's not a good feeling either, right? So it's this weird balance of, I want to be involved with everything, but at the same time, I want people to have autonomy. It's difficult. Like, I don't think I've, I've cracked the code yet.
0: I love how casually nine to nine is just like the go the go for go. Like, that's, that's just on my day from <laughs> nine to nine. And most people in their life walking around 40 hours a week, nine to five, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, look, my calendar is only available from nine to nine. That's as, yeah. as much as I'm willing to do. <laughs>
1: Oh no! Like this morning, I had a meeting at like nine fifteen, and I was like, "Guys, like, what are we doing? Nobody is fully out of bed yet. Like, let's give it another hour. There's this is not going to be productive." Um, and everyone's like, "What? We've been up since seven thirty. Like, we were working out and running." I'm like, "No, you weren't. Get out of here."
0: No, man. It's a it's a different game being in this industry, and you know you've you're in a perfect position where you meet a lot of different companies what they're working on because you need some of that information to be able to determine your your ability to best help them right so totally. are there any trends or things that you've seen coming along that because because it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't ask someone like you who meets as many people as you do as many types of companies, especially in the tech world with like all the advancement and technologies that's happening right now from large language models, you know, generative models in particular for like images and videos. Have you stepped into those types of clients and seen some interesting things or are there other trends that people really... Aren't paying attention to that? You think, you know, you may want to consider that. And, and obviously, that'll be the benefit of having listened to an interview with you is, aside from hey. knowing that there's a kick-ass recruiting company that doesn't do it the old way, and they're actually trying to solve your problem instead of just keep you on a retainer forever and never solve your problem <laughs> or make matters worse. But you also happen to be filled with insights from just your day to day because you pay attention.
1: Yeah. So I'll say two things. Um, one is that the waves that, you know, VCs, startups, private equity, whoever you want to pick out at, that they go through, um, even though there's hype around different products and stuff, a lot of that still gets sustained even after that the hype dies down, right? So like fintech is a great example. Fintech had its moment between 2019 and 2021 where people were raising crazy money at crazy valuations. Um, and now it's the, the like, the MO is almost, oh my God, like all these folks are going out of business. Like they're having down rounds but not really, right? Like if you look under the covers a little bit after the dust settles, like there are players that remain that are doing really cool shit and not burning money at a crazy rate, right? Like all of these new age startups that are building credit cards or um, processors, like bank integrations, all that kind of stuff, they're still around. They're chomping, they're doing well, they're growing. They may not be raising money at like the $50 billion mark or anything like that, uh, but they're doing a great job, right? So like, it's important to pay attention to things outside of like the status quo when it comes to tech trends. Um, Because right now like gen AI is all the hype, but two cycles from now it definitely won't be right. It'll be something else that picks up the news. Uh, And that's the other thing, like tech is progressing at such a ridiculous trend um, of of, like parallel increase. Like you see all of these industries that are growing side by side in like total silos, right? Like look at FinTech and then look at gen AI right now. There's, virtually no crossover like there's companies out there that'll tell you hey there is crossover but those companies are many quarters away from getting anything right I think um, so tech is in a weird spot like funding wise and ecosystem wise um, where money has created odd silos where there shouldn't be silos um, both in terms of the type of tech the type of money like how much money is being put in um, and it would just be cool to see over time that stuff to start to converge almost if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely i, I... Honestly, you're right, I can't even think of a uh, company that I've seen take it full advantage of, of both of those in a way that actually works. So far, I'm sure there's someone out there who's putting that together. You might even know the company, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but with that said, okay. Um, and I'm so and I'm so grateful that you took the time to answer that. Uh, I know I was way out of left field, but uh, I feel like I want to roll out the red carpet for you as we begin to close things out. Like, what do you want people to know about what you're working on now? And where would you like for, for everyone to get a hold of you, Zane? Like, do you do you are you open to LinkedIn? I know we kind of talked about that in passing. Is like, you know, LinkedIn's one option, but if that's right. not really your bag where would you want people to connect with you?
1: Yeah man shoot me a message on LinkedIn, find my email online, my phone numbers in my LinkedIn profile. Um genuinely from the bottom of my heart, love having conversations with different founders working on different things. Even if it's not a fit from our services, I'm sure we can help you some way somehow. Uh, like I said, like we have a pretty powerful network outside of just engineers, right? Like we're well connected in the VC system. Um, you know, we can help you raise money. We can help you evaluate options, stuff like that. That's what a I'm here for, and that's what the firm is here for. Um, we don't want to paint ourselves in the box of just recruiting or product builds, uh, because the network is so much more powerful than that.
0: Right on, man. Look, I I can't thank you enough for taking. I know it's a brief, short conversation, but i I feel like we got a lot done in this in this uh, in this conversation. We crossed a lot of uh, uh, points off on the list here. Is there anything okay. else you'd like anyone to know before we roll out?
1: No, not at all. Thanks so much for the time, Philip.
0: Yeah, man, my pleasure.